Um, I don't know, I don't know the Gris Kohen. I, I mean, you know, when I come here, I come here from time to time, for whatever reason might be appropriate. Uh, I, I somehow feel that you guys are not in Yerushalayim, and women. I mean, I say, and women, but I'm supposed to talk to the Kohen. It's a, it's a technical problem. I'll figure it out as we go along. But uh, do you feel that you're in Israel, you, you, you guys and girls? Yes? What, what, what about your existence makes you feel? The guy at the door, you know, the guy at the door who insisted that I give him my tudat zehut? That's Israel. But I didn't see much of Israel any place else. Well, in Israel, there's a, there was a supposed holiday or a, a day that was established with the approval of the Rabbanut Rashid at the time called Yom Yerushalayim. But unlike Yom Ha'atzma'ut, which in Israel was declared a day off, there's nothing like a day off to make people happy. So Yom Ha'atzma'ut <coughs> has existence, even if you're not into it. You know, Yom Ha'atzma'ut is like a political question. If you wear a shirt and no jacket, so your position on Yom Ha'atzma'ut is X. If you wear a jacket and a tie, your position on Yom Ha'atzma'ut is Y. If you wear a long black coat, so then your position on Yom Ha'atzma'ut is Z. But there's no doubt that Yom Ha'atzmaut is a happy day. Because everybody has a day off. And there's nothing like a day off, as I said, to make people happy. Well, I don't know what you do in the Kohler. There are some people who think that you could learn Torah even on a day off. This is not yet clear. <coughs> you know, there were, I remember why you there were there were people we used to learn during finals week. And there are some people who thought that it was also to learn during finals week because you're giving the wrong message to the undergraduates. But again, these are difficult questions that I'm not going to try to uh, answer. But what I like, what I am trying to point out is that so far, the day called Yom Yerushalayim has not been successful in capturing the imagination of Israelis. I mean, nobody celebrates Yom Yerushalayim. I only say that because exaggeration, it, it's good to be to exaggerate, because then people notice what you're saying. But in fact, in fact, if you looked for Yom Yerushalayim today, you might find it in the morning at the, at the Kotel, I was there, but not exactly at Nets, but they bus in all the uh, Yeshivati Cholit kids in Israel to, uh, I don't know, to Davin. So I think Haritzion, they used to go to... Uh, <coughs> it's basically a, a, a Hallel kind of thing. The celebration of Yom Yerushalayim on the national level is not clear. It's not clear. In fact, you know, in some places they say that in America they really know how to celebrate Yom Yerushalayim. But I don't know what that means. 
but <coughs> but in Israel, unfortunately, we haven't gotten around to it. So I'd like to clarify, or try to clarify, why this is. Why there is Yom Yerushalayim on the one hand, and why Yom Yerushalayim seems to be a, a day <coughs> that does not capture our imagination very much. So, there's another question. You know, in, in, in Shemona Esrei, every day, we say a bracha about Yerushalayim. Ruhata Hashem, Bonei Yerushalayim. So the question that people ask, you know, these kind of questions, you know, people, I mean, like us, people learn Torah, but sometimes they ask these nudniki kind of questions, but they might be good questions anyway. So the question was, what did they, um, what did they say when there was a Beit HaMikdash? I mean, after all, Shimon Esrei was always there. It's true, somebody was talking this, and somebody was talking that, but everybody had to daven. And the takonis of davening had something to do with <coughs> what you're supposed to do. So they must have said Bon Yerushalayim before that. And even if you don't remember the Gemara in Brochus, which said about Birkat HaMazon, Ala Aretz HaTova, Aretz HaTova, you know that Tosuk, Vachadu, Sabato, Verachto, Al Haaretz HaTova, so the, the Gemara dashes every word in the Pasuk. So HaTova was that David Ushlomo HaMelech were metake in the bracha of Bon Yerushalayim. That's what the Gemara says. They were metake in the bracha of Bon Yerushalayim. So it means that to say Bon Yerushalayim, to say that bracha, whether it's in, in, uh, <coughs> in Birkas HaMozog, or it's in, uh, or it's in Shmon Esrei. Um, it's something that people said when the Beit HaMikdash was around. Uh, so why they say it? Why would you say Bonei Yerushalayim? Okay, you could always add a wing. You know, you could always make a, a pool or something. You know, but why, why they make a bracha, Bonei Yerushalayim? Why was it invented in, in, in Birkat HaMazon by David and Shlomo? <coughs> and why was it included? Why was it included in the? Why was it included in the uh, in the Shemona Esrei, even during the time when uh, the Beit Hamikdash was in existence? You know, a question that people ask. <coughs> and I remind you of a Gemara. I remind you of a Gemara, which is. Uh, I think relevant, which becomes relevant to what we're talking about Gemara in, in Rosh Hashanah. They're talking about the Takon is around Yochanan ben Zakkai, Zechel HaMikdash. There were Takon who made Zechel HaMikdash, and one of them, one of the Takon was Yom Hemet, or people say Hanef, Kulo Asur. The halacha is, halacha, it's, uh, it's in the Chumash, amazingly. <coughs> that uh, the Korban HaOmer is Matir Chodosh. The new wheat can't be eaten until the Korban HaOmer is brought. 
the Kavana Omer is brought Mimocharat HaShabbat. Mimocharat HaShabbat is another problem that the Jewish people had to deal with. Right? Because there were Jews who thought, curiously, that Mimocharat HaShabbat might mean the day after Shabbat. Strange. But we beat them down <laughs> and we insisted that Mimocharat HaShabbat means the day after Yonkin. And even if you look at the Ibn Ezra, who has a certain kind of like, inclination to clarify linguistic matters, uh, I mean, look at the Ibn Ezra, not because he's the only one, but because he's in the crowd to the Lot, which itself is a story, but not our story. So the Ibn Ezra tries to explain that Shabbat could also be Yantiv, and so good everybody's happy. <coughs> so after the bait and destruction of the second temple, if you, you couldn't bring the Korban Omer. You couldn't bring the Korban Omer. You know, the Omer is, a, is an amount. It's an amount that, you know, today you have these books with have pictures in them, and it says Omer, 52 liters, or something like that. So if you're into that, if you like that, you can go and buy one of those books, and it'll tell you. I'm not into that, so for me it's sufficient to say that the Omer is a measure. How much of a measure is it? I'm a lady, I'm not a Kohen, no one's ever going to ask me. <coughs> so if you bring the Korban Omer, from the moment you bring the Korban Omer, there's a heter to eat Chodosh. From the moment, so what happens after the Korban Beis HaMikdash? So you could have said different kinds of lambdas. You could have said, well, if there's no Omer, so you'll never be able to eat wheat again. No, no good. Because we're all like uh, to eat a piece of bread with, uh, even though the Omer was barley. No, but people don't eat barley so much. <coughs> I have to ask you forgiveness for the fact that I'm coughing. This has nothing to do with you. It has only to do with me. I had pneumonia last week. And for some reason, they pumped me full of these antibiotics, which work miracles. I'm a miraculous result. But no one ever thought of taking care of my cough. So here I am, healthy as a horse, coughing away. So that's not a good solution. The other solution was, (coughs) well, we'll we'll average it out. I mean, you could bring the carbon armor in the morning, so we'll, we'll, we'll wait. Until noontime. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said, no, we can't wait till noontime. <coughs> because it might lead to an error of sorts. Um, I appreciate it, but where will I put it? I think oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I think why you covered a rabbon on this Sheval Tatsa. <laughs> no, the truth is, it comes from the Rav. I remember the Rav of Yeshebez, the you know, everybody, the winter, so, like, especially like where I didn't know exactly what he was talking about. So you had to ingratiate yourself. So, uh, so somebody would grab his coat and give him his coat. He'd look at them like, like they're crazy. And he'd say, I could put on my own coat. You think I, I can't put on my own coat? He was like, uh, 
Once I took Rabbi Salavich, mean, this is like an attitude. I took Rabbi Salavich to the airport. This was a supposedly a great honor, which I didn't usually have because I didn't have a car. <coughs> but my Chavrusa had a car, and he couldn't do it. And he had, he had like, you know, he was very nervous that somehow I would steal this great honor from him in the future. I, I mean, anyway, so I went to pick up the rug to go to the airport, and the, and the Rebetzin is standing there pointing at the window. You know, the, like here you have these American kind of windows that go up and down. So the top window was open. So the, Ruffs, so the Rebetzin said, da, 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 close the window. So here's the Rav. He's starting to climb up. And the wind says, here am I. Like the consummate fool. I say, Rebbe, I can do that. You know, I might not be able to understand what you're talking about, Shia, but I can close the window. So the Rav said, what's the matter with you? You don't think I can close the window? <laughs> you know, it was like, so there I was, a dilemma, you know. Should I sneak around and close the window fast? Or should I let him maintain his self-respect that he can close the window? They say, cover in why you is different. Otherwise, it's not, I don't think it's worse. It's just different. <coughs> anyway, when Yochanan and Zachary said, listen, the Takoda should be that if they don't bring the Omer because there's no base on Mikdash, so you wait the whole day. You wait the 16th day of Nisan, right? The 15th day is Pesach. The 16th day is the day you bring the Korban. So at the end of the day, you can eat. You can eat the Omer. So the question is, what was it exactly that Rabbi Yochanan and Zachary was... Uh, was worried about. So I'm not going to tell you, but I'll read to you what Rashi says. <coughs> i read to you what Rashi says. Rashi's trying to explain how there could be a problem, because everybody will know the Beis Amigdash. I mean, it's hard not to notice that they rebuilt the Beis Amigdash, right? So Rashi says, Rashi says, let me just get it for a second. Uh, he says, how could it be, how could it be that... Uh, that, uh, that they would make a mistake. I mean, you'd have to make a mistake. They would have to be built on Pesach. How could the Pesach make this be built on Pesach? So he says, That's also. It's also to build the Pesach Migdash on Yontif. On Shabbos, on Yontif. <coughs> hey, we're talking about Yontif. So Rashi says, now, that's Rashi's answer. But it's an interesting idea. It is an idea, after all. After all, in the Chumash, Truma, Tetzave, Vayakel, Pekude, like the base of me, the Mishkan is being built by people. Everybody is participating. <coughs> Everybody's involved. And yet Rashi says that the Binyan base of Migdash has Shlishi, is going to be Al Yedeh Now, it's true that that takes care of a technical problem in the Gemara, but it's also true. It's also true that it's an interesting idea. Why would anybody think that? After all, the schut of building the Beit HaMikdash, <coughs> the schut that was exercised by Am Yisrael, in building the Mishkan, by Drishon, by Cheney. I mean, who built it? Who were the artisans? Who were the painters? Who were the... Who were the the draftsmen, the architects, I mean, I'm Yisrael. And here Rashi says, 
Rashi says, no, no, don't worry. It'll work out. It, it can work out that people will get mixed up because the Kaddish can drop the base of Mikdash fully formed into the world. <coughs> into the world. Now, I want to mention a... Uh, I want to mention something. Something. <coughs> what I'm going to mention now is something Rav Chaim supposedly said, but it was it's written... And in the Chedushia of Greece, Menachos, Ben, hey, you know there are these books on Kachim, like stenciled, no? You know, like, uh, they were a big hit once. There was a time you couldn't buy them, so they became a big hit. <laughs> and then they sold them. This is a marketing, uh, a tremendous thing. I remember, I remember looking for it, couldn't buy it, and then it was released, and, and uh, I bought a copy. Today, they're printed up in a nicer way than the ones I have. <coughs> but I'm Menachem Staff Mem Hey, in the name of the Grach, of the Grach, of the, you know, the Rav Chaim, so the, so the, uh, the Rav quotes Rav Chaim as saying this, and, and also he references Rav Menachem Zemba. You know Rav Menachem Zemba was in uh, Warsaw, was a Warsaw Rabbi Nachman said, I have to tell you that I learned, when I, I learned Shabbos with the Rav, or the Rav learned Shabbos and I sat there, <coughs> the only Achron, other than a family member, of course, that the Rav mentioned during the year that we learned Shabbos was Rabbi Nachman Zemba. He wrote a sefer called Totsos Chaim. I don't know if he called it Totsos Chaim. Or I, I, I don't know, but he wrote a sefer which is called Totsos Chaim about Hotzor. You know, the Malach of Hotzah in Masechet Shabbos takes up a lot of, a lot of space for some reason, right? It's, a, it, it's also an interesting question. Why Hotzah was uh, such a great uh, a topic, such, so, of such great importance. So Rabbi Nachem Zemba also makes the same <coughs> distinction in the name of Rav Chaim. That's what I meant to say. In, the, in, in, in his Svorim, and it's quoted... <coughs> oh no, it's not quoted. I know it's quoted by the Greeks that Rabbi Nachum Zemba and Rabbi said something similar. Rabbi Nachum Zemba, even though he was a chosid, Rabbi Nachum Zemba was a ger chosid, was very highly regarded in Brisk. You know, he was like a litvish alamdin, even though he was a ger chosid. But, uh, of course, uh, there are those who say that the Geras are all, uh, you know, good at learning. They're, they're into that. I can't make the judgment. So, what they say? <coughs> that there are two different kinds of Kedushot in Eretz Israel. Two different kinds of Kedushot. One is the Kedushot of Eretz Israel from the beginning. Uh, when the beginning is, I don't know. Let's call that Kedushas Hashchina. I would say, I would say, you know that when the when the, the world was created, right? Chapter one of Gracious, the world was created. <coughs> there was Gan Eden. Gan Eden is a special place. This place is a place where 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 the uh, the connection between created man and woman and Hakadosh Baruch Hu is very special. It's not something that you have any place else. In the time of Noah, Gan Eden was destroyed. 
And the world reverted back to before creation. Because the Mabul, the Mabul, uh, uh, denied the distinctions that were made during creation. It was, during creation, he said, here's the land and here's the water. Here's the light and here's the darkness. But the Mabul wiped that out and brought the world back to a state of Tovavu, from which the new world was created. From which the new world was created. <coughs> and in this new world that was created, Adam Arishan was like Adam. I'm sorry, Noah was like Adam Arishan. In this new world that was created, <coughs> it eventually, eventually HaKadosh Baruch Hu designated a place in that world in a manner similar to the Gan Eden. Just like Gan Eden was a place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence was felt and understood, so too in the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created after the Mabul, there was also a special place. There was the place of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That place is mentioned all over the, the book of Bereshit, you know, promise to Avram, and then Akedah Yitzchak, and then the idea of Galut with, uh, with uh, Yaakov Avinu. <coughs> and so Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael became potentially the place that could be like Gan Eden, the place where you could see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There would be a... Eventually it'd be Beit HaMikdash and eventually people would go and eventually people would <coughs> would learn that, about that relationship. So that's Kedushat Eretz uh, Kedushat Shechina I'm sorry Shechina Shoreh Right? The Shechina is in that place. That's what Kedushat Shechina is. But there's another Kedusha. There's another Kedusha. The, what we call, what you usually think of when you see the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> the Kedusha which enables you to do certain mitzvot that can only be done in Eretz Yisrael. Now that Kedusha, Kedusha number two, is dependent on Kibush and Nachala. Kibush and Nachala means that we have to do it. I mean, Eretz Yisrael, you know that, that Yoshua did it, but that it was undone by Galut, that Ezra did it, <coughs> and that's not undone for some reason. But, but Kibush and Nachala, Kibush and Nachala are what make Eretz Yisrael to a place where certain mitzvot are done and other mitzvot are not done. Now, as an aside, this is not in the Rav Chaim, or Menachem Zeba, but say that Kibush and Nachala have proven themselves in history to be variable activities. In other words, Kibush V'nachla does not ensure a permanent change. Kedush is Hashchina, and that's always there. Eretz Yisrael is always special. But Kibush V'nachla can be undone, either undone by the fact that you have some kind of a punishment, or this Galut, or you're, you're, you're sent out of Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> but history has indicated to us that no, that no matter how good Kibush is, and no matter how strong Nachla seems to be, you need more than that. It's not enough. Because Kibush with Nachla 
Kibbish Vilachla are variable. They come and they go. Fam Yisrael, we lived here, we didn't live here. We lived here, we didn't live here. That's Kibbush Vinachlo. Kibbush Vinachlo. That's true even about the Beit HaMikdash, the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made his home, so to speak, on this earth. <coughs> Kibush Vinachlo doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. It doesn't even do it if you build the Beit HaMikdash. It's, it's a wonder. We built the Beit HaMikdash. We did the Kibbush Renachla Yoshua Binun, the Shoftim. At the beginning of the book of Shoftim says, you know, in Yehuda, in the south, they managed to drive out the Ovdeh Avodah But in the north, they didn't. That's why <coughs> all the exciting stories of Sefer Shoftim are about the northern, what became ultimately the northern kingdom. All about the north. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So we could build the Beit HaMikdash, but we couldn't ensure to ourselves, for ourselves, that this was the end of Jewish history. And so David Ushlomo Avelech, who built the Beit HaMikdash, a little bit David Amelech and a lot Shlomo Amelech. Well, metakein the bracha of Bonei Yushalayim in Birkat Amazot, which means that you have to always daven that the good will continue, that there'll be more good. It's never enough to think about <coughs> the good as being some sort of permanent. A, a feature of our lives. And that's why it was included in Shemona Esra. Because Shemona Esra is about petitioning God. I mean, what are you going to petition God about except the continuation of the good? Whatever it is we have, which we appreciate, and which we value, we just want it to continue. We want Yerushalayim. We want Beit HaMikdash. So, so here we are. On the one hand, we're appreciative of what has happened to us. And Yerushalayim is a sign. It's a sign, I mean, not that I read signs, or that I can know what the sign means exactly, or that we have a guarantee, min hashamayim, that nothing will ever change. But it's a sign. And why not grab onto the sign? And why not, why not make Yerushalayim the issue, the issue of redemption, that if Yerushalayim will continue to be built, and if Torah will continue to be learnt, and if the Jews will continue to appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given them, then I think Yom Yerushalayim has a chance. The opposite seems to me to be an unfortunate evasion of simple realities. I'm not talking about people who are not religious, I'm talking about people who do believe and who live somehow with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. <coughs> Yom Yerushalayim should be and could be a very serious part of our world view. All the best.